the 2018 Senate race in Missouri and beyond. Greetings, you're on Deep Background. And joining us today to talk about the uh, coming race for the U.S. Senate in the state of Missouri this year is uh, Chief Political Reporter for the Star, Brian Lowry. Brian, thanks for having me. Uh, great. You know, I've avoided doing a podcast on the Senate race in part because we're going to do a bunch of them, I assume, as 2018 unfolds and the race uh, continues, the campaigns continue. But I also get the sense that it's just now starting to come into focus. Right. I think uh, the past few days have been really the most significant days uh, in the race, um, where there are a lot of things that were bubbling underneath the surface have kind of, it, there's been a little bit of a volcano. And right, so right. it's, I, I guess there's a lot that we need to get to, but if Brian Lowry's our chief lava correspondent. If, if you've been reading The Star, if you've been reading other publications, you know that Attorney General Josh Hawley, who was heavily recruited, uh, you had former Senator Danforth lead a very public campaign. You had the other uh, former GOP senators, Kit Bond, Jim Talent, John Ashcroft, all sign a letter encouraging him. You had Mike Pence giving him phone calls, pleading right, with him to run. This was the guy who national Republicans were like, we need, he, this is the guy, this is the quarterback who's going to help us beat And let's explain Claire why McCaskill. that is. So, but first of all, Claire McCaskill, the incumbent, for those who aren't yeah. paying attention, she's running for re-election. Missouri by almost every calculation, Brian, is one of the most important Senate races in the country in 2018. It, it, I don't think it's an overstatement to say that it could possibly decide control of the U.S. Senate. Uh, McCaskill is largely seen as one of the most vulnerable Democrats on the ballot. Uh, she's running for re-election in a state that Trump won by 19 points. Uh, she's a Democrat who has to kind of hit a very narrow window of, um, you know, of making sure she supports democratic policy, but not too much. You know, she it, it was noteworthy that she was one of the Democrats who voted against the shutdown. Um, she uh, She's going to be under attack, and there's going to be a lot of money coming in uh, to oust her. But at least when you look at her own campaign coffers, and keep in mind that, um, you know, campaign money now, it, it's almost a relative thing because we have what the candidates report, but there's so much outside spending now. The dwarfs that, what each yeah. candidate spends but for himself or herself. At, at the very least, Claire McCaskill has had a very strong run of fundraising. Uh, she's got about $9 million in the bank um, and you know, finished at the last three months of 2017 with you know raising about $3 million. Very strong. Josh Hawley, who's been this big recruit, who national Republicans wanted, who all of the Missouri stalwarts wanted, um, finished out that year with a little bit more than a million dollars in the bank. So he's $8 million behind Claire McCaskill. And during those final three months when he was really – because remember, first he had an exploratory campaign, so you could kind of explain away that, you know – the money wasn't rushing in because he wasn't all in. But those final three months, he was. He was all in. And, you know, he, he raised less than a million dollars. Yeah. And so while the Holly uh, campaign has pushed back on this idea that, you know, these are lackluster numbers, they say he's outraising uh, challengers, you have not just Democrats uh, saying that these are, you know, numbers that are underwhelming. 
you have prominent Missouri Republicans, most noteworthy, most notably Kit Bond, uh, you know, saying, you know, he needs to get himself in gear if he wants to beat Claire McCaskill. He needs to start bringing more money. He needs to have a more active campaign. Um, and so that was just the first thing is the fundraising report comes out and you see how far ahead Claire McCaskill is. Let's pause here talking about Josh Hawley just to make one more sort of broad statement about the race itself and then let's focus on Hawley. But broadly speaking, Brian, um, it's all there is an outside chance that Democrats could take control of the Senate, but there is almost no scenario whether where that could happen if they lose Missouri. They need they need to keep they need to make gains in other states and they need to hold on to McCaskill. Right. It's one of the most important hold opportunities for the party and conversely for the Republicans one of the great takeover opportunities. If if the Republicans can pick it up and maybe flip also West Virginia, they'll be okay. You know, and right. the, particularly if they, uh, you know. Um, play solid defense. Uh, it, it's not a good map. I think everyone who's looked at the Senate map realizes it is not a good map for Democrats, even though it's going to be a midterm election and you expect there's always in a midterm election a little bit of backlash at the president's party. And uh, you would expect with this president, uh, particularly the Democratic voters are going to be uh, motivated, but it is not it is not a favorable playing field for Democrats, and so uh, I think Republicans are salivating for the chance to beat Claire McCaskill. There was a sense that they, sh- uh, you know, I think many Republicans in Missouri feel that they should have beaten uh, Claire McCaskill in 2012, but they nominated the wrong candidate. 2006, they thought they should beat her as well, and did not. Right. In fact, she beat an incumbent in the sort of Democratic wave year that 2006 was. So right. she's a pretty good candidate. Let, we'll come back to that in a minute, but let's stay on the Republican side. So Josh Hawley, you talked about his fundraising problems. So, that's not the only thing that he, he's facing, though. That is his only headache. Uh, the star, obviously, a little bit later that day, uh, we had obtained audio from a speech that he gave in December to some pastors in Kansas City as part of this group, the American Renewal Project. Um, a Christian conservative group, in which he, in his speech, tied sex trafficking to the sexual revolution of the 1960s. Now, Josh Hawley has been very active on this issue. It's something that a lot of attorney generals champion Derek Schmidt over in Kansas has also done a hmm. lot on this. It's it's a kind of it's a very bipartisan issue that a lot of lawmakers and attorneys general of both parties uh, pursue, but blaming it on the sexual revolution of the 1960s, which I have to say, as someone who was born in 1986, uh, just using the phrase sexual revolution seemed very strangely Um, uh, old-timey. As someone born in 1955, yeah, it's pretty old-timey. I I almost wanted to wear a monocle. uh, (laughs) Because it's like, to me, it's it's something I learned about in history class. Um, So the sexual... Blaming the idea of sex trafficking on the sexual revolution when, you know, uh, when contraception and premarital sex, when, when those things lost their stigma, you know, is, is an idea that, that caused some backlash. And I will say, talking to experts on human trafficking, they just don't see merit in that idea. It's, it's not a completely uncommon view on the Christian right that... Where uh, Josh Hawley sits. I mean, right. we should be clear about that. He is a very socially conservative Republican. 
But among ex- that's not well known, right. I think. But among and this was, I think, really this was the. It's. I think it's well known now. But yes. I, I think. <laughs> uh, but the, among experts on human trafficking, on sex trafficking, um, these are very old problems, right? These are problems go back to the ancient world and in the United States go back to very early in this country's history. Um, and, you know, there's there's been a lot, it's, it's received a lot of attention, quite frankly, since the Civil War. And there's no, you know, one expert on, on the field told me there's really no data to suggest that, um, you know, the 1960s was some start of the rise of sex trafficking. Right. Um, and so this was something that Claire McCaskill pounced on. Uh, you know, she sent out a fundraising email comparing it to the, Todd Aiken legitimate rape comments of right. 2012. Which I want to come back to. By the way, Josh Hawley fun, uh, issued a fundraiser off the comments drawing attention to them, right. too. And, and a- it was interesting. You know, Hawley really doubled, tripled down on it, you know, put out statements. His campaign put out statements defending the comments. You know, he you know responded back to Claire McCaskill on Twitter. And the campaign, which was not, I will, you know, they weren't thrilled that the star was uh, posting that audio. They ended up then posting the full audio of the speech rather than just the snippet we had um, we had received. Um, they posted the full audio of the speech, which had aired on a uh, Christian radio network, but mm-hmm. had gotten little attention in in December. And the broader speech, while it, it's not so, it's not solely focused on sex trafficking. That's one of the issues in the speech, but it, it's it's he kind of presents a larger world view of tying public service uh to his christianity faith, right. yeah his faith um which it, again it's is almost brownback ass yeah, really yeah you know, and not um, unusual but but there is a particular sensitivity to this kind of remark in missouri is there not brian because of the todd aiken experience i mean if this story had uh, erupted in another state holding a, you know nevada or something it might have drawn less attention in missouri than this did precisely because of the todd aiken legitimate rape uh, uh, comments there, there were a couple ago. things that that may i think really uh brought attention to it. one is the history of todd aiken when uh, that's what sunk his 2012 campaign um, and you also had just a week before Josh Hawley, and, and this is one reason why we we uh, we ended up coming across this uh, audio. Uh, a week before uh, Josh Hawley made, but uh, a week before we we reported this story, uh, Cortland Sykes, who was a f- kind of a fringe candidate, not a big money raiser, probably not. Well, his uh, he's gotten quite a bit of attention for his, his publicity stunts. Uh, He's not on the same level as the sitting attorney general of the state of Missouri, right. but he made comments about uh, wanting his daughters to grow up to be uh, homemakers rather than, quote-unquote, career-obsessed banshees. And that's one of the nicer things he said right. in that Facebook. He goes on from that. Um, and so um, and, I, and so I but will say— But the point is, for both of these candidates— the Todd Aiken experience well, against Claire McCaskill is the template well, that everyone measures. What, what I'm getting at again. is, you know, you had one candidate kind of get into a controversy. This other candidate got into controversy. You have a, a strong female candidate against an all-male Republican field, which we'll get to why it's yes. all-male right. probably as we get deeper yes, into this conversation. Yes. And in, in the background of the national Me Too conversation, uh, and, well, you know, that one thing Holly's campaign has been very clear to try and say is this is that you know he does not have a negative view against working women or anything like this. This is just his kind of attitude of tying it to uh, right. it, it, that he thinks that there's a problem with the culture. 
that said, I mean, I think a lot of women were offended by the idea that, um, you know, the sexual revolution is obviously tied to women's rights. Um, and I think a lot of women were offended by the idea that there was a link between that and, and sex trafficking. And I think McCaskill, you know, she was very shrewdly, uh, kind of pounced on this and, um, you know, McCaskill, there was a great moment, um, it was a great moment yesterday where our DC correspondent Lindsay Wise ran into McCaskill, and McCaskill noted that she's getting a lot of credit for things that she uh, has no control over, including his, including her Holly's quote unquote weird comments on sex trafficking and his uh, poor fundraising numbers. Yeah, yeah. So do we think? But let's go back to Josh Holly for a minute. Do we think, A, these are problems, fundraise, uh, fundraising, his statement, other things, are problems or issues for his campaign? And if so, are they rookie mistakes? Or are, do they reflect something more fundamental about his campaign, which is a lack of fire in the belly? Or a lack of familiarity with what a U.S. Senate race is going to be? I think, I think what you're getting at is that, you know, one reason why he was viewed as such a strong candidate was his performance in the attorney general's race, you know, ran, won by a huge margin, right? Uh, won by I think maybe even a larger margin than the president. Uh, won by I'll have to double check that, right. but it was it was double digits certainly. Much stronger win than say Eric Reitens had that right. same year or Roy Blunt had that same and, year. And and by the way, won a tough primary right up against Kurt Schaefer. And so, but there's a big difference between a state attorney general's race and um, a U.S. Senate race. Um, you know, there's now a national spotlight on him, and. So I think one thing is, you know, you almost, you almost think about a little bit about, um, you know, in baseball when you've got like this kind of young phenom comes up uh, from the minors and there's a lot of hype about him and he steps up to the plate and, you know, the pitcher from the opposing team throws one, you know, high and fast, uh, you know kind of intimidated that's a little bit kind of the sense of like the past what the past few weeks have been right. for josh holly that said though i you know it's people who helped recruit him who are sounding the alarm bells kip bond was part of that recruitment thing i think the fun i think the sex trafficking remarks they're probably not going to hurt him in the republican primary there was a poll by missouri scout uh he had you know he has support from 49 percent of republicans uh Forty percent are undecided, and the rest of the candidates are all in the single digits. Right, right. So uh, Holly probably doesn't have to worry about the Republican primary. In fact, he's even advertising that he's agreed to an event at Washington University in St. Louis that happens after the primary. So right, right. he's been acting. He he has been acting as a presumptive candidate for quite some time. You know, long before we uh, Missourians cast. Uh, votes in august to choose their nominee the president you know promised him in november to campaign for him it's been very much assumed that he's going to win but i think why you have kit bond and others sounding the alarms now and sounding them as early as they are is there is a sense among some republicans and we've talked to some folks on the record about this we've talked to plenty of folks who aren't as willing to put their names on their statements who are sharing us you know concerns in even more um blatant manners um there is a sense that he's not quite ready for that general election fight with claire mccaska and that he needs to start taking it more seriously right, because when you say it's uh, early it isn't that early i mean it, we're six months from the primary right. six months and then after that of course august everyone goes home and then you basically got september and october 
so you've got maybe maybe eight months of campaigning and, before and, this and race. Because, that's not a lot. And, of be, time. and because they've cleared the field, because the Republicans have cleared the field for as Josh. As far Holly, as we know, they've cleared uh, the field, which we'll, we'll talk well, about yeah. here in just a second. But Missouri Democrats are, you know, they're sending out press releases every day about Josh Hawley. Claire McCaskill's right. folks are attacking because Josh we know she's it's, cleared the field. They know, you know, <laughs> they they can have a laser focus on him. So I mean. While he's already running towards the general election race, so are they. And um, you know what you get to. I, I think what I think what we're dancing around, which we should probably touch on, is Ann Wagner, uh, a, a congresswoman from the St. Louis area, <laughs> former ambassador, uh, had been for a long time assumed to be the person who would take on McCaskill, who would be the kind of front runner in the race. McCaskill. Let's tell people who Ann Wagner is, congresswoman, but also. Well-known statewide, right. been a figure in the party forever, has allies among other members of the party, a woman. Ambassador to Luxembourg yes, at and one not, point. And not yeah. really, not considered in any way a Michelle Bachman-like figure. No, it's a very right. smart, yeah. very tuned in, very politically astute uh, member of Congress. And very strong fundraiser. Yes. yes. And Wagner had been, and, and keep, so there's one difference because of election law is, Josh Hawley can't take any of the money he has in his state coffers and, and put it towards a federal race. Ann Wagner could have taken all the money she had stored up as a, a member of the U.S. House and put it towards the Senate races. It wouldn't have been as complicated right. to do. She has $3.2 million in the bank for her her house race, which you know a lot of that was getting sent to her earlier on under the assumption that she would be running against um, McCaskill. But I mean, she has proven the ability to do that kind of federal fundraising that you would that you would expect to take on uh, someone like McCaskill. Also, I mean, it's it's just Ann Wagner is not going to be stepping on these same rakes. As far as you know, getting accused of sexism, that uh, that Josh right. Hall, that, particularly against a woman against, candidate, yeah, against, yeah. So how how realistic do we think these rumors are? What do we think we know about whether it's legitimate uh, a legitimate concern for Republicans or whether this is just the week long story? And by the way, uh, before you answer that question, I think it's pretty clear that. The Republicans, at almost all costs in Missouri, want to avoid a primary fight. Right. So they're going to pick one or the other. Right now, I don't think Ann Wagner will get it. Now, we could three months might go by, and this clip will be like yeah. aired for like an infamy, you know, and I'll become like like Chris Collins. All of Chris Collinsworth's <laughs> predictions that Tom Brady was going to come back the other night. You know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to become right. the Collinsworth of Missouri politics, but. Um, that's my job, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll be Al Michaels instead. Um, so, anyway, it, it, right now, I don't think she's going to jump in. Our sense from talking to people, including John Hancock, the uh, former, former state, state party chair, who's a friend of, of, of Wagner's, is that there are people who are encouraging her to take a second look. There is a think a general frustration. Do we think she is taking a second look? <laughs> you know, we're going to get into a Bill Clinton uh yes, yes. matter of the world it is, but I think there's a general frustration among the people who wanted Wagner to run that she was kind of pushed aside right. for Josh Hawley. Uh, she had been the kind of presumptive candidate when Danforth and others had started this campaign 
to recruit Holly. At that point, it was seen to be undermining her. She announced in July she wouldn't be seeking it. Uh, a few weeks later, that's when Holly, you know, officially announced his exploratory campaign. It, it, it was very coordinated by the party that they wanted Holly to be the guy. And I think some people who wanted uh, Ann Wagner to be the candidate are now looking at these fundraising numbers, are looking at some of these unforced errors, these stumbles, and saying Wagner got out of you know the way for this. If you're not serious, we need Wagner in now. Right. But I don't. I, I want to caution that I don't. We haven't been given any indication from Wagner's people yet that she's going to jump in. Right. And I think one of the frustrations that Republicans might be feeling is, uh, or concerns, is that the people around Josh Hawley are somehow assuming that this will be an easy race, that they can walk in, that they don't have to work hard at it, either through raising money or public appearances or whatever. And I think that's just a bad, bad right. uh, assumption. I mean, and let's be clear. Uh, you know, Everybody says, well, Donald Trump carried Missouri by 19 points. Uh, against Hillary Clinton. A Democrat won a special election in Missouri yesterday. Right. Roy Blunt, the incumbent in an election year, including uh, Donald Trump, beat Jason Kander by three points. Right. So it's, and Claire McCaskill beat Jim Talent, the incumbent. Claire McCaskill beat Todd Akin. I mean, the idea that it's a walkover for the Republican. They have been two fi- terms of government. Yes. Yeah. The idea that it's a walkover for the Republican Party, I think there is a concern, based on the conversations I've had, that that Josh Hawley and the people around him think it's a walkover. It right. isn't even close and to no, that. And notice McCaskill was tweeting quite a bit. Uh, she was tweeting about that uh, special uh, Missouri House election. And uh, if if you're on the McCaskill campaign, and she had won, she's won Jefferson County before, uh, but if you're in the McCaskill campaign, you probably looked at those results and were pretty happy. If you're in the Hawley campaign, it might be a cause for concern, right, right. among the many other causes for concern you've had uh, recently. Let's keep in mind, it wasn't just Wagner. There were many prominent Republicans who got out of the way for Josh Hawley. Another one was State Treasurer Eric Schmidt, who was right. another young rising star. Um, I saw him at Lincoln Days, and he says he's still 100% uh, behind Josh. But, you know, he had been exploring a run. He had, had made trips to Washington. He was he was eyeing it. Um, he got out of the way, and Wagner got out of the way. In addition, he had at least two state reps who uh, were openly exploring a run. One was uh, uh, Kurtman. He's now running for state auditor instead. The other was Marsha Hafner, um, who had, I think, also gotten some encouragement from Ann Wagner once she stepped out. So you've had a number of people who, you know, well, the, the candidates that you still have in the primary, other who aren't named Josh Hawley, are people who have never won um, elected office before. You have... Austin Peterson, he had you know ran for the libertarian, uh, libertarian for president. For president. Pre- president. You have Cortland Sykes, who's is you know just watch the YouTube videos, they're fun. Um, and you have uh, Tony Minetti, who's a retired Air Force colonel. Uh, you know, uh, you, yeah. So you have these kind of grassroots candidates, but you had professional candidates who had won races. Um, you know, either uh, you know either just a legislative district or even another statewide race like Schmidt who got out of the way because everyone was saying it's Holly, it's Holly, it's Holly. And, you know, there's kind of a, there's kind of a downside maybe for that coronation effect is, you know, there may be, it's, it's, 
he he was such the party selection, such the selection by committee, that um, he didn't he didn't get to make uh, voters organically fall in love with him as their right. as their set. Let's candidate. wrap up the discussion on the Republican side because I do want to talk about Claire McCaskill here for a, a little while. But give us your sense, Brian, if you have one. Whether or how much time Josh Hawley has to right the ship. I mean, is it a is he learning from these experiences? And then you know, two weeks from now, we'll all be laughing that we even cared. Or is this you know, do we look back three months from now and go, wow, now he's burned three months? The stumbles continue. Well, one one thing I'll say to just push back on ourselves for a second is yeah. you know, Jim Talent. I talked to him yesterday and. Uh, when I first called him up, uh, he said, "Well, why do you want to talk to me? I didn't win my re-election." Yeah, right. uh, but uh, he he's he lost to Claire McCaskill, and he actually thinks she's uh, behind that, some of this. Huh? Well, no, no, no. What he thinks is that Holly's uh, strategy actually looks very similar to McCaskill's strategy from 2006, which is to not go into full campaign mode yet, which is to but to kind of use your state office, you know, she was the state auditor, right, right. he's the attorney general, to use your state office for publicity leverage that. He said, I outraised her, but she beat me because she effectively used that. Now, that's, I think, one of the big questions is how effectively does Holly use that office of attorney general as a bully pulpit in, in this election? Does he catch up on fundraising? Does he start to kind of act like a candidate? Yeah, I mean the the one weird thing has been that Holly has he's not had a lot of events around for the public. He's had fundraisers, but he's not had a lot of events for the public. And even let's look at Lincoln Days for a second. Right, Lincoln Days was a little bit strange where he had he had a Friday reception and he had this Saturday breakfast and then with boom. Roy Blunt and then he hightailed it out of there right. for some family function. But we didn't never got any details of that family function. Um, he had been scheduled to appear on a panel of statewide office holders, uh, but he wasn't there. You know, he, every other statewide elected official was on that panel. He wasn't there. That would have been his moment to talk to. You know, uh, you had to get up really early if you wanted to see Josh. I'll admit I didn't because I I didn't need to get up at seven a.m. to get eggs with Roy Blood. Um, but um, you know. I, you know, so there it, is it, a it, finite it, it, amount of time, Brian, for it, him to put the ship in order. Well, it was just, it's very <laughs> strange that you have this panel of the statewide elected officers, and then you have your keynote dinner, and the guy who's supposed to be at the top of the ballot in November isn't there. And the guy who needs the most help from the Republican Party. That would have been Party, the guy the that you, you Enthusiasm think, yeah, yeah. and balloons and And then, you and know, so that. like, you know, the, he was gone, and you had... Yeah, Austin Peterson and Cortland Sykes were villain about you know shaking right, hands. Right, right. So he has a finite amount of time to get this together. Yeah. Before the before the uh, rumbles become a full on panic of the Republican Party. I, I, you, I can tell you this: as well, I will probably get a folk. We, we you, right. just the fact that you're that we're talking about this is probably something that they're you know that they're not going to be that they're that is going to make republicans you know concerned yeah well the fact that this has been a topic of that this has been the topic of discussion is a concern for uh i think republicans they want to get the narrative back onto uh claire mccaskill onto claire mccaskill and her votes against the tax bill and and her votes against gorsuch and they want to get the narrative back onto you know holly's investigations of google and things like that they don't want us talking about these inner campaign work well we want to get the narrative back on claire mccaskill too and we'll do the so after the break for now you're on deep background
Back on Deep Background now with Brian Lowry of the Kansas City Star, Chief Political Reporter, and Dave Helling of the Editorial Board. Talk about Claire McCaskill now. We spent all this time on the Republican side, but uh, there are some vulnerabilities there, too. Before we talk about her campaign, let's listen to Lindsay Wise, our uh, uh, Washington correspondent, and her conversation with Claire McCaskill earlier this week. Comment on the rumors that Ann Wagner might get into the Senate race? I'm getting an awful lot of credit. <laughs> I know. I don't deserve. I know. They think you're very I crafty. Mean, I, it's just really unbelievable. I mean, you know, I ran an ad with my name on it, and now I'm responsible for everything, including yeah. his bad fundraising and his weird comments about sex trafficking. <laughs> so, but you're so, not, you don't have any. I gotta work all that out over there. Okay, thank you. Uh-huh. Claire's always good for a soundbite, isn't she, uh, Brian? She, she's a good quote machine. I mean, <laughs> one, one you mentioned she has vulnerabilities. One thing she does not have, is not a vulnerability for her is talking on the stump or talking to reporters. You right, know, right. she is one of the quippiest politicians uh, that I've ever been able to cover. So, what do we? You know, I don't think we doubt her fire in the belly. I mean, I think at one point we might have because there was some question as to whether she would even run again for another term um, in a difficult environment, in an increasingly difficult state. But you get the sense that she's fully committed to the race and not raising money and doing other stuff. It's one of the, I think, ironies of the uh, 2016 election uh, for uh, Democrats in Missouri is, you know, if if Hillary Clinton had won the presidency, Claire, Claire McCaskill will be fighting a much different re-election fight. Yeah. She may have decided to walk off into the sunset. It's be much more but, difficult. you know, she's with 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 uh, kind of running in this uh, post-Trump environment, it's a more favorable, play, not exactly favorable, but it's a more favorable uh, playing ground for her than uh, I think it would have been what are her, in the White House. What, where is she vulnerable? What, what, what argument is going to work against her? In Missouri, you don't have the Harry Reid running the Senate uh, argument anymore. Well, they are trying to make a similar Maybe argument. Maybe Chuck to that, Schumer. Though. They yeah, are right. trying. They they are trying to. If you notice, uh, you know, national Republican groups were putting out. Even though Claire McCaskill had voted um, against the shutdown, there were national Republican groups trying to tie it to her. Just the general idea of trying to blame dysfunction on the Senate on Democrats, um, which keep in mind, Republicans have a majority of, Correct. of in the Senate. So it's a, it's a little bit of a difficult argument. But that said, the U.S. Senate is such that unless you have a supermajority, a minority party does hold some uh, significant power. Um, Republicans are really going after her on the tax vote. Now, for those of us in, in the Kansas City area who remember the grand uh, Kansas tax experiment, um, you know, I, we may be looking at, at that federal tax bill from slightly different eyes than the rest of the nation, but uh, I, I think there's a general sense when I talk to uh, Republicans, not just about the race in Missouri, that they think um, the tax bill is going to play favorably for them in the 2018 elections, um, and that this could be a vulnerability for McCaskill. Right. Um, because let's be honest. She has the scowling face problem that we saw in the State of Union, not Directly, I mean, she there weren't. You didn't see her scowling, but the Democrats, in, F, in essence, are in, and she's with them in a place saying you don't really need this tax cut you're getting from Washington. That extra money in your in your paycheck isn't a good deal. That's a tough political place 
to be. That's why Republicans love tax cuts, because they put the Democrats in a in a bind. Well, the, the fact that you have a, a number of uh, companies that we're giving bonuses, right. which I, now some of those companies, it's maybe, maybe Republican, maybe run by Republican donors. But that's a really that's a really tough um, that's a really tough thing to talk against as uh, a Democrat who says that working people need to have, you know, you need to have a break. So, I, I mean, I think she's going to be hit on the tax cuts. The health care um, market is going to yeah. still be a very, you know, while the individual mandate has been repealed, elements of the law are still in place. The major, most major elements of the law, except for the individual mandate, are still in place. Um, but how it's going to function with that. So health care is going to be a very volatile issue that... Um, it's going to be very difficult, though, for I think you know people to get uh, with, right. without a you know a policy wonk background to really understand. But uh, you you could see some stuff uh, on that. Holly's really pushing the Gorsuch thing, as as are Republicans in general. Now, I think obviously for you know conservative Missourians, that's a big one. But those people weren't going to vote right. for Claire McCaskill. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's going to swing. The election. What about the what about the personal stuff? There, the Republicans are saying about her. What about she's got a she's a millionaire and lives in a big apartment in Washington D.C. and takes an airplane and all the other stuff. Then Joe Shepard has done tax credits his whole life. I mean, it could. Does that, any of that stick? I mean, they tried a little bit of that in 2012 and even in 2006, and it doesn't seem to stick very much I, to Claire McCaskill. I'd also say with with when Donald Trump is your president. The going after a person because yeah. they're rich is kind of it's a weird More kind of strategy. Right. Um, I mean, I. But 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 Josh Hawley does. Let's assume for a minute that Hawley is the nominee. He does have first of all, he's good in debates, good on the stump, young family, uh, up and comer, new face, drain the swamp, all that stuff. I mean, you do get a sense that incumbency is not an unalloyed that, that's uh, good for for that's certainly Claire what uh, Dan. That's certainly what Danforth uh, said to me yesterday, among other things. Yeah. Uh, and uh, certainly read them on KansasCity.com. But, uh, I mean, one thing Danforth really thinks is that Holly will be able to shine on the debate stage against McCaskill. I mean, we'll have two attorneys going against each other. It'll be a right, little bit right. like a courtroom. Um, you know, one thing I think McCas- McCaskill actually joked about this when she visited the stars, um, when she visited the star about a year ago. Um, I got to sit in on one of the editorial board meetings. I actually introduced myself to her. And said, "I'm the guy they hired, so you don't have to talk to Dave Helling anymore." <laughs> and she said, <laughs> and said "Good yes. to meet you." Uh, but uh, what um, what she actually said is that she and Roy Blunt have the same problem, is which is they've been around forever. Yes. Uh, she actually said it a little bit more colorfully uh, than that. It's but, true. Uh, yeah, yeah. So she, so she. I mean, I think she looked at. Uh, well, I mean, you brought up the fact that Candor ran well against um, Blunt. Blunt, at, or, yeah. As a you know, um, as a sign that um, candor is not was a uh, relative newcomer and a compelling story. But she, I mean, I think she also she kind of looked at at that race a little bit as the general anti incumbency and the fact that you know she's been in Missouri politics for so long uh, that you know same same thing of the people who just you know want blunt wanted blunt to go because he's been around too long that she she has to deal a little bit with that and that's um, I you know. She's very conscious of the fact that um, it's going to be a close election, 
and that there are people throughout the state who don't like her. Um, she, I mean, she's when you go to one of her town halls, you know, the first thing she, one of her great things that she always does is she asks, "Who's the person who will never vote for me?" And then she gives that person the basket to pull the questions right, out right. of. Um, but you know, she's she is very she's conscious of the fact that she does have certain people she won't win over, but she's trying to do enough to win the people who are on the edge. Yeah, and let's be let's be just completely clear. As a senator, basically, she's been a reliable Democratic vote in five of the six years of both of her first terms. In the sixth year, the election year, she she's brilliant about becoming the independent. I don't listen to either side. I want compromise. Let's get things together. And she seems to be pursuing a similar strategy. That's why she voted against the shutdown and some other things that may help her in Missouri. I mean, she does make a habit of going to rural areas and sort of suggesting, you know, plague on both your I houses. I mean, the, one interesting thing about uh, the shutdown uh, vote was I did I did see some backlash against her from the left. Now, I, I don't know if all those people are in Missouri, but um, there were certainly, um, you know, and let's keep, the shutdown obviously was tied to the DACA issue right. and wanting to force... Um, you know, a fix on DACA. Um, and there were some Democrat, Democratic voters, uh, you know, in the more kind of progressive wing of the party who were frustrated with those Democrats who, who didn't join. So I think, you know, and the one thing that it, I think is a little bit of a question mark is, you know, is McCaskill knows that she needs to run as, she won't win if she's not the moderate, right? But Will the progressives come out in force for her? I think they probably will, but um, she can't win if she doesn't get a turnout in but Kansas City and she, yeah, and and, and 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 college towns like Columbia correct. also need to be big. But too. but but urban turnout is essential, and I think that helped her in 2012 right. when Barack Obama was running for re-election. She won't have that advantage this time. She'll have to depend on Democratic energy uh, um, produced by Trump. And the question is whether that concern mm -hmm. is high enough in places like Kansas City and Columbia and St. Louis to build up the margin. And she hasn't she's done need. as much. That's tough. She hasn't That's done as deal. much in in the urban areas. I Correct. mean, most of her town halls have been in more rural areas. She has, you know, she did a town hall in Independence and she did a town hall in Parkville, but she hasn't done one in in. Kansas City proper. Right. Um, and she can't take those cities for granted. She cannot take the votes of Kansas City and St. Louis for granted in in the numbers that she needs to overcome whatever Josh Hawley or whoever the nominee is will do in rural areas. I mean, that's a, that's probably the biggest vulnerability of all. And if you talk her. to Republicans, they are aware that uh, they're not going to win Kansas City. But their goal is to, you know, not get crushed here, right? And you know, get and do well enough in the rural areas. I looked areas the other day. I looked the other day. And this is going to astonish some people, and I'm stand to be corrected if because I'm doing this from memory. But I think Donald Trump carried Jackson County. Now think about that for a minute. I mean, that's suburban votes. That's Lee Summit. That's Eastern Jackson County. That's Independence. That's blue collar areas. If if. If Josh Hawley breaks even in Jackson County against Claire McCaskill, she's going to lose this race more likely than not. So, so she's not a she, it's not a walkover for her either. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, 
It's uh, I I think the one interest the interesting thing is it is February, but in the state of Missouri, it might as well be October. Right, because, it's going to be October. And all this year. is a way to wrap it up because the stakes are so high. Yeah, I mean it's you know the stakes were high when Pat Roberts ran, but not anywhere near where they are in the Missouri 2018 race. Although one thing that uh, just recounting because I, I remember yeah. you and I both we were both at the 2014. Kansas State fair to yes, together. Debate. I don't think that uh, we'll have a, as great a moment as when Greg Orman uh, mm-hmm. said to Pat Roberts, Senator Roberts, I've been in Dodge City more times than you have this year. And Roberts <laughs> responded, oh yeah, how many times? And Orman said five. And Pat Roberts said, well, I've been there seven times. <laughs> I'm, I know that <laughs> I know that McCaskill's going to be able to say that she's been back to Missouri, yeah, back more, to, often, yeah, right? Missouri more than seven times. All right. Brian Lowry, the uh, Star's chief political reporter, thanks so much for joining us. And again, we're going to be talking about this race uh, uh, in other podcasts throughout the year. This is a good primer for people on where, where we're headed in this race. Thanks for joining us. My name is Dave Helling with the Star's editorial board, and you've been on Deep Backlash.